the Lord bless you. We have been um, looking into different aspects of kingdom living and what God blesses. And we understand that he is a person who, or a God that blesses many, many times, praise God, with things that we're sometimes not real common with, but um, with the help of the Lord, we can become that. Um, the first week we looked at the Beatitudes, and I hope that that has helped some of you. Amen. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the disciplines that we need to put in place as being a disciple. And God can help us with these things. But attitude does play a lot into it. And so we know that with the help of the Lord, we can change our attitude. Can somebody say amen? Uh, last week we talked about the fact that the end result of having a decent attitude on the majority of the time is that we become the salt of the earth. We become the flavor in a lot of people's lives and uh, also the light of the world. And that's what God mandates that we become. You know, it doesn't say that we have to be as good as everybody. It just means that, that God wants us to take part in that in Jesus' name. And so consider those things and where your walk with God is at today. Would you consider yourself the salt of the earth? Would you consider yourself a light where you walk and where you're working and where you're home and all of that is in place? So consider that, and I believe the Lord can help us to have understanding in that in Jesus' name. Tonight, again, like I said, we're going to look at three different disciplines that need to be in place on a regular basis. And uh, a lot of times in the scripture, it doesn't give us the exact time or how many times we are to do it. It just says that we do it. That's what it says. And so a lot of this is, is uh, God does leave to our, um, our own choices and things of that nature. And so consider it. But listen to this story. I think this really kind of depicts how we all are sometimes. It talks about a bivocational pastor was working in a small health uh, or a local health clinic and since he was in a, a remote area, good-paying jobs were, scarce, were, were scarce, and the pastor felt blessed to have a job that would support his family and to allow him the flexibility to still pastor his church. However, despite enjoying the work and being well-paid, the pastor had one major problem, and that was his supervisor at the clinic was not overly kind, and that is saying it kindly. The supervisor frequently overburdened her employees by passing off her own work to them, and she had no problem harshly berating her subordinates publicly. Her language was foul, and her demeanor was very arrogant. Many workers complained to human resources and upper management, but their efforts were just basically in vain. The pastor believed that prayer changes things. Can you say amen? Amen. Sure it does. Yes. So he took this matter to the Lord in prayer. And so months passed and his supervisor had not changed. Well, in fact, she had gotten worse. The pastor committed to prayer even more, yet still nothing seemed to change. Well, after nearly a year, the healthcare company offered to send several employees to a training seminar in another state for a week. The topic of the conference was working with difficult people. So intrigued, the pastor volunteered to go. However, after a week at the conference, the pastor was discouraged. Uh, he had taken exhaustive notes but felt as though nothing could help his situation. On the last day of the conference, he approached the main speaker 
and relayed his situation. I don't know what to do, he bemoaned. I've tried everything. How many's ever been there? Sure, you'll find yourself there. The conference speaker offered an unexpected suggestion. Have you tried buying her a gift and writing her a nice card? The pastor was shocked. Why should I do that, he asked. The speaker replied, it sounds like she's stressed. She works in a remote area and is the only one within 100 miles who can do her job. And perhaps if you work harder to treat her kindly, she will realize the error of her ways and treat you all differently. Ooh. The next week, the pastor convinced the entire office to chip in and to buy their supervisor a card and, a, and some flowers and a gift certificate to her favorite restaurant. Within a month, the entire office noticed a drastic change in the supervisor. She spoke softer and was more patient and sensitive to her, her employees' needs. And in the end, the pastor was right. That prayer did change things. But before God changed the supervisor's heart, God had to first change the pastor's heart. Now come on, if the shoe fits, raise up your hand. In Jesus' name, come on. Let's ask the Lord to help us in the name of Jesus. Come on, this is absolutely for all of us in this place in the name of Jesus. We found ourselves in this place. God, we have, we have come to you in prayer and we've asked you to change the situation, the person, the whole thing, the whole nine yards. But God, what you wanted to do in essence was to change us. And so Lord, help us tonight to see the benefits of these disciplines. That Lord God, that you have put us in a place. Oh, hallelujah. Where these things can happen in the name of Jesus. And God, I believe it. God. I believe that you're going to work this out. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. And so, yes, this is, this is what happens when we, we sometimes have a tendency to um, uh, not see the trees by through the forest. You know, sometimes the situation is just really right. It's our heart. And so I think that goes right along with what we've been talking about this month. You know, our attitude a lot of times is the thing that gets in the way. And so with the help of the Lord, that can be changed. And then God can help us literally become that salt and that light in the area that we are in Jesus' name. Now this tonight will help us to understand that there's three things that Jesus... Now really, if you, if you look at this, these Bible studies here, what we've been talking about is the fifth and the sixth chapters of the book of Matthew. And of course, this is the... Um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus got down to the nitty-gritty and began to, you know, present uh, some hard-known facts, praise God, to people in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I, I thank God for that in the name of Jesus. I thank God that he would do that in Jesus' name, praise God. And so, um, you know, we're going to look at three things here tonight. We're going to look at the aspect of giving. We're going to look at the aspect of, um, of praying. And then we're going to look at the aspect of fasting. And these are things that if you check out the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus didn't, didn't, um, didn't say if. He used a four-letter word there. And the four-letter word was when. So what was, what was the assumption that Jesus was bringing across? 
that we would begin to do these things. And so these are the things that a lot of times can come into the place and really help us in the name of Jesus. I'm going to talk about some things on each of these subjects. First of all, the importance, praise God, and then, of course, the proper motive, and then to have the idea that, God, I'm going to honor you by doing this. This is for you. This isn't for anybody else. This is for you in the name of Jesus. When it comes to the aspect of giving, you know, one of the things that I've uh, understood attitude-wise, and this is a huge attitude blockage in a lot of people, and what the attitude is is a lot of people feel like they're owners. They feel like they own things. And I understand from our legal system, sometimes you can, you can say those things, but, you know, in reality, folks, you and I don't own anything in this life. You know, you and I must understand. Jesus said one time, he said, I think it was in the, in the book of Luke, he said, what would a profit a man or a person if he gained the entire world but lost his soul? You've kind of put these things in perspective. And so a lot of times with the attitude of ownership, we think that we should be the one that rules. We should be the one that has the say. And that's where we, again, in my opinion, sometimes go right off the rails. Whereas if we would develop the attitude of a steward, that I, whatever God has put in my hands, he has placed me as a steward over it. I don't own it. I'm just taking care of it. And boy, I think if we could do more of this in our, in our personal lives, I think this would release a lot of the things, you know, that really hinder the fact of why people don't give. And I'm not here to say just money. I'm saying in everything. You know, the three biggest areas of giving, in my opinion, are time, talent, and treasure. Those are the areas, praise God, that you and I have within our own reaches. And so if you and I could become stewards of these things, and we'd say, well, God, how would you like me to handle this? Would somebody like to get on that trail tonight? Would you like to quit being, would you like the pressure of being an owner off of your shoulders? Well, then I believe if you would accept the fact that God wants to make you a good steward, he wants to help you to really be able to take care of things. And I believe the best way that we can take care of things is simply from the standpoint, you know, of, um, of, of God, you own this. Tell me what to do in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so giving can be one of those things, in my opinion, that can be taken care of by simply taking care of that attitude. Just saying, God, I don't own this. This is all yours. I thank you for putting it in my hands. But Lord God, help me to be a good steward of it. Help me to take care of it the way that you would like to take care of it in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? amen. Let me show you something here. Look at the second chapter of the book of Acts. And you're going to see this twice that happened in the book of Acts. I'm going to show you this here real quickly. But in the second chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible talks about the fact that the, the salvation message got out and they were preaching to people. And the scripture says in chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So they continued doing the things that God wanted them to do. Somebody say amen. amen. And then it says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. Everybody say together. That's a neat word. I like it. And had all things common. Notice this. And in verse 45, notice what they did here. 
The Bible says they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. I remember somebody bringing me up this scripture and saying, well, Brother Carnahan, you know, this, this isn't happening amongst us. And I had to agree. I said, I have never seen that. I've seen places where, where, where giving became a, a tremendous thing in different services and stuff like that. But I, I've never seen it like that. And I thought for a while, and then I told the individual, I said, you know, I said, it might get to a place that we're going to get to a place where this is going to happen again I don't know where you know maybe things are going to break down in our world to the point to where people are going to have to sell everything they have just have just to keep things going well and I I can't tell you for sure that's going to happen but I think the only way that we're ever going to be able to do something like that is if we get rid of the owner attitude and we get into the steward attitude can somebody say amen Look at chapter number four of Acts, and I'll show you again where that happened. The Bible says in chapter number four, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 32 there. It says, um, and the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and of one soul. You see unity again. And it says, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but had all things common. Do you see that? That was an attitude that they developed. That was an attitude that they developed. And the Bible says in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. doesn't say that very many times in the scripture, but it says it right here. And I believe part of it was is because of their attitude. See, we wonder, when are we going to see the things that, we, you know, that, that, that happen in the foreign field? Or when are we going to see the things that happen in some of the, uh, the foreign ministries that we've heard? Well, I believe as soon as we get that kind of an attitude, I believe that God is going to be able to flow through us in Jesus' name. And so what do you say? Tonight's the night where we put on the new attitude. Come on, I believe that God wants to help us. He wants to take the pressure out of your life, and He wants to give you something that you can do no matter what in Jesus' name. And so the Scripture says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors, in verse 34, of lands or houses sold them and brought the, the prices of the things that were sold. It says, And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man, according as he had need and so again you see that God moved you can't deny this folks this was a move of God and I'm not saying that you know I'm not being critical when I say I have never seen anything like that but I'm going to tell you something if something like that would ever happen to have happen I want to have the attitude praise God where I can let go of everything that I have for the Lord in Jesus name come on can somebody pray that prayer right now why don't you lift up both of your hands right now and just close your eyes and commit that to the Lord if, if that's what you want to do in the name of Jesus father in the name of Jesus Help us tonight. Help us, Lord God, not only to, to understand the importance of giving, but Lord God, that we want to have the right attitude towards it in the name of Jesus. And so God, I will honor you tonight. I will honor you in this area, Lord God. I understand that giving is one of those things that you said in that sixth chapter of Matthew. And I believe it was a mandate for, 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 for the church in the name of Jesus. And so help us tonight 
tonight, Lord God. Help us tonight to put these kind of things on in the name of Jesus so that we'll be ready, Lord God, so that we'll be willing in the name of Jesus to do what you want us to do in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, praise God. Let me show you one other thing, and then we're going to move on to the second discipline of prayer. But let me show you something here. Because realistically, folks, when it comes to giving and prayer and, and, and fasting and all of those things, there is absolutely a principle that is, is, that is in order that you can say, you know, what you want. And you say, well, what is that principle? The principle is very easy. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. That's really what it comes down to. And that's, what, that's one of the reasons why God puts things in our hands so that we can give, so that we will receive. You know, I think it's the sixth chapter of the book of Luke that says, give and it shall be. Yeah, well, you've got to put the first one first. If you don't give, it isn't going to be given to you. And it's not me that's in charge of that. That's God that does that. And so you and I must understand that God expects us to do the first thing. He expects us to have faith in Him enough to where we will let go of the possessions of this life willingly, praise God, because we know that the possessions He wants to give us are of heavenly value. Can somebody say amen? Now I understand this is a very tight subject for a lot of people, but I wish it wasn't. I really wish it was something that people could receive very, very, very readily. Look at what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Again, the principle of sowing and reaping. You cannot avoid it. It is exactly what the kingdom of God is all about. And so the scripture says in verse number 6, Paul dealt with this in 2 Corinthians 9. He says in verse number 6, he says, But this I say, he said, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. It says every man. Notice that in verse number 7. That, that does not exclude anybody. It says, according to, it says, as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Do you see that? Would you like to become that? Would that like to be part of your home? And would you like your kids to be a part of that in Jesus' name? Why don't you go ahead and lift again your hands up towards heaven and ask the Lord to let that happen in your life right now. Come on, God wants to do something here. He wants to break through some things in the name of Jesus. He wants to help us to have a healthy attitude towards these things and not begrudge and not, you know, and, and, and not regret with the things that we do for the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. I praise you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for the willingness. I thank you for the ability, Lord God, that we have tonight to come and to give, Lord God, that you can help us to break the curse in our lives, Lord God. I believe there's, there's several here that have a curse on their life that you want to lift up in the name of Jesus. You said that in Malachi, God. You said that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. You said that if we would have faith in you and we would do what we're told, that, Lord God, we could expect the windows of heaven to be open in the 
name of Jesus. And Lord God, there are several here, Lord God, that I'm believing that's going to happen. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, by the power of your spoken word, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord God. Let this get a hold of us, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, not to be offended. Blessed, are, blessed is he that is not offended in me. That's what you told us, Lord. I pray that no one would be offended by your word. That all would receive with meekness this engrafted word that is literally able to save our souls. And I give you the praise and the glory for it in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Jesus. And so these are disciplines that we put in our lives, okay? And so the discipline of giving, and now the, give, the discipline of praying. And of course, we understand prayer. We know what that's all about. And again, Jesus prefaced this in the sixth chapter of Matthew in verse number six, when you pray. He didn't say if. And so you and I must understand that it is absolutely required of us from God to learn how to pray. And I understand that's one of the biggest obstacles is sometimes we just don't know how to do it. We just don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it and those kind of things. And a lot of times, kind of like the pastor, you know, in this story, we find ourselves in that place where we think that we're praying for the right thing when in essence we're really not. You know, God says, why don't you begin to pray for your heart to be, to be uh, changed and let your heart begin to be, you know, um, uh, following the things that I want to. And boy, when that happens, all kinds of things can begin to happen. And so we have to be careful that our prayer doesn't become vain. That's what Jesus said. He said, vain repetitions. You know, I'm not, I don't think it's wrong to say the same things in prayer. I don't think it is. I think that when we don't really mean them, I think it really does. I think that's really when it can, can, cannot do anything, praise God. And so we want to help God to help us in the name of Jesus. The author here says that the simplest definition of prayer is just simply, simply communication with God. And so we understand that communication is an important thing in every relationship. It doesn't make any difference who we're, who it is and that type of thing. Now, Jesus in that sixth chapter of, of Matthew, he gave us kind of a template, the Our Father, you know. I remember when I first came into the church here, uh, Apostolic Church, I did not like that prayer. I, I did not. I can't say I hated it, but I'm going to say I did not like it. Um, when I was a little boy, actually when I was even older, my mom and dad made us go to confession. And of course, in the church where we were raised, you know, you had to go into this little box, and this guy was in, sitting in the other, on the other side of it. Of course, there was a curtain there, and you couldn't see him, but you had to tell that guy everything that you did wrong. And you know, it didn't take me five or six times. I'm talking about, a, I learned how to do this when I was in second grade. And then by the time I was in third grade, I knew the art of lying. Because I, to, I thought to myself, I told this guy everything that I did. He'd tell me to say about 150 Our Fathers. He'd tell me to say about 350 Hail Marys. And I'd never get out of church. And that's how I was thinking. That's exactly how I thought. Because that was the penance they would always give you. They'd always tell you, well, you say, you know, 50 or 60, not 50, but he would say at least 20. 
you know, our fathers. And so that's what I would have to do when I'd go back to the pew there in the church. I would just repeat that prayer, repeat that prayer, repeat that prayer, repeat that prayer. And, I'm, you know, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that gave me a real, real attitude towards that prayer. But boy, when I came to you guys and you begin to teach me that that wasn't just a prayer to repeat. That wasn't just a prayer of penance, but that was a pattern. That was something that God was teaching us so that you and I would learn that there are all kinds of different aspects to prayer. Can you say amen? amen. And so I've learned to say that prayer, the Our Father's what we call it, but it really is the Lord's Prayer. And I've learned to say that prayer, and not as a vain repetition, but as a pattern to realize what am I trying to say to God? What am I supposed to realize? What are some of the attitudes that I'm supposed to have towards Him? And boy, I don't know about you guys, but that has greatly enhanced and helped my prayer in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? I'm telling you, it's the truth. When you learn the meanings of the words and you realize, praise God, that there's a motive that God wants to put in our lives. Amen. I mean to tell you, folks, it, may, it changes the entire dynamic of the whole thing in Jesus name and so prayer we could you know you can you can spend hours talking about prayer but the bottom line is just commit yourself tonight to saying God I want to learn how to do it better I want to learn how to do it with a better attitude I want to learn how to do it is unto you in Jesus name because I really be a believe that God will bring the results when our, when our prayers will line up with His will, I'm going to tell you something, folks. All kinds of doors will begin to open to us. And I'm going to tell you something. It will be powerful. Can somebody say amen? amen? Oh, hallelujah. Let me show you something here. Look at Acts chapter number 12. Look at what happened when the church got on this idea. You know, the scripture says in, 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 the, in the 12th chapter, the book of... Um, of um, Acts, this is where Herod, you know, rose up against the church, and he killed James, and he was going to, he put Peter in prison, and he's about ready to kill him, too. He was going to squash this movement any way that he could, but the scripture says that prayer in verse number 5, verse number 5, I mean, Acts 12, was, was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I don't believe that people were praying for themselves. I believe you can, you can rest assured that that was a prayer that had focus that was beyond you and me. And sometimes that's where we got to go with this prayer. Sometimes our prayer is way too focused on ourselves. And that's why we sometimes, we need to change before God's going to do anything for me. Come on, if he did something for me right now, I'd still be doing it with stupidity. I'd still be doing it with a sense of selfishness and that type of thing. But if God can change my heart, if God can help me to see things differently, then God can do something for me. And praise God, it'll change everything around me in Jesus' name. Come on, can somebody lift up their hands and say, that's where I want to go with prayer? Come on, this is what God wants to do for you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. And so what prayer is designed to do is to draw us closer to God. This is what it's supposed to do. It's not supposed to, you know, uh, our little pet peeves and things like that and all our little idiosyncrasies. That's not what prayer is all about. Prayer is designed to get us closer to God so we can figure out what He wants and then, praise God, we can do it in Jesus' name. 
And so we see that happening. We see results in the, in, the, in the Bible all over the place in Jesus' name. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But in the meantime, while you're learning how to do that, which I hope you will, I hope that you will go out of this place saying, you know, I'm going to learn some things. I'm going to let God teach me. I'm going to keep a right attitude so that he can show me things and so my life can be different from here on out. Well, in the meantime, praise God, there's something that you've got to call a secret weapon. And that secret weapon is called the Holy Ghost. You have the Spirit of God in you. Many of you, you know, at least if you say you got the Holy Ghost, you've spoken tongues at least once. Well, the bottom line is you're missing out when you don't develop that part. And I understand that it takes faith to speak in tongues. It does for me too. Even after 40-some years, it still takes faith sometimes for me to do it. But the bottom line is I can read it in the Scripture and I know that it's the will of God for me to do it. And so that's why I do it, praise God. I don't understand what's going on, but I understand it's from God. Now watch this, Romans chapter number 8 and verse 26. You've heard this before, many of you have heard this before, but you're not doing it. And that's what's the difference, and I'm hoping your attitude will change to where you will start doing it. It's the same thing with giving, you're not doing it. And so I hope your attitude will change where you will start doing it. Not that we need your money or your time or your talent, but you need God. And you're not going to get God without sowing and reaping. You're not going to do it. I don't care. You can try to figure this out any way you want, but come back in five years and tell me how that's going for you. I'm telling you, God wants to do something here tonight for people in Jesus' name. Praise God. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans 8 and 26. Likewise, the Spirit, that's capitalized, so that literally means the Spirit of God, also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. It says, for we know not what we should pray for. So get that monkey off your back. So quit blaming yourself when you can't figure it out all the time. Join the I can't figure it out all the time club. Come on, folks, we don't need to have it all figured out. All we need to do is have a connection with God. And when you got a connection with God, I'm telling you something, you got power, you got reason, you got ways in the name of Jesus, and God can take your prayers, and he can help you to do things right now, tonight, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Man, he must be preaching. Teach you to miss church one time, won't it? Praise God. God is good. He is. Now listen to this. The Bible says, for we don't know how we should pray, for we, uh, as we ought, but the Spirit itself. You see, when you got the Holy Ghost, that is the Holy Ghost. The Spirit flows through you. If you believe on me as the Scripture saith, Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. That's what Jesus said. And that he talked about the Spirit. And so the Spirit will flow in prayer. And so you don't have to decide or you don't have to do that. And it also makes intercession. You know what intercession is? It's interceding for somebody, not you. It's interceding for somebody else. And that's what you do, praise God. And so God can help us to do that. Now, this isn't the only part of prayer. I'm just telling you there are all kinds of parts to prayer that can come together in your life. But the bottom line is if you're not convinced that you should be doing it, man, I'm wasting my breath. And that's the bottom line. That's why we need an attitude. We need an attitude change that says, I need to be doing this. 
I need to be learning this. I need to be getting involved in this. I want to quit sitting in the bleacher section, and I want to get at least a, a seat on the left field side. I want to at least get around the first base line here. I want to get closer to where the action is, praise God, because I'm going to tell you something. That's where it's happening in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you something. God wants to do that. He wants to help you to understand that there's an importance to prayer. Come on. It's not that God needs us. He uses us. That's what he does, praise God. And so you and I, we can understand that that dialogue that we have with God can really begin to broaden in Jesus' name. And so you and I, we can, we can allow the Lord to do that. And then in the midst of that, we can learn to listen to what God is saying. Listen to what he's saying, praise God. And God will begin to, t to talk to us, and it's just powerful in Jesus' name. And then again, the proper motive. The motive is not to bend God's arm and make him do something I want him to do. So many times that's really what our motive is. And God knows that. And until that changes, my friend, until that changes, you're really not going to get a whole lot of results from God. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind here tonight. I am really trying to help somebody because this is the last days you and I must be sure of what we are doing. We must have faith in what God wants to do with us. In Jesus' name. I feel that here tonight. I feel like God wants to take, there's several of you that God wants to just take, he wants to leapfrog. He wants to take you about six, six notches up, praise God. And I believe he can do that because God is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all, that we ask or think in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands one more time. Come on, lift your hands and ask the Lord to help you with prayer. Come on, this is a discipline. This is called being a disciple. This is called working for the Lord and having a proper attitude and sometimes not having it all figured out, but Lord God being willing to do it anyway in the name of Jesus. Oh, God is developing so much character in these disciplines. He is developing so much faithfulness in us in these disciplines. If we'll learn how to give and give, Lord God, because it's for you. It's your motive, Lord God. It's for what you're doing. I'm just a steward, God. I don't own anything. You're the one that owns it all in the name of Jesus. Lord God, it's your prayer. It's your way. It's your people. You're the one that wants to draw all people. You are not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, God. I believe that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The other night when I was, I guess it was last night, and I think it was the week before that when I was in prayer with, with the Tuesday night prayer group, and I appreciate, brother, you doing that, being faithful to that. But I got down on that chair, and I'll tell you something. God began to put something on me and I, I have learned that I don't question it I just go with it praise God and after a little while and he doesn't do this all the time but after a little while God began to help me to understand what I was doing and I was praying the same prayer that Daniel was praying praise God he was praying for his nation he was praying that they would repent he was praying that they would come and, 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 they, and they would change in that name. you just read that in the book of Daniel it was powerful and during the time when he was praying that towards the end there was an angel that that appeared to him and gave him some tremendous tremendous insight 
I'm telling you something, folks. Those things are still alive and well in our generation in Jesus' name. And I don't tell you that so you think I'm something. I tell you that because that door is open to lots of people. God wants to help you to pray the way Daniel prayed. He wants to help us to pray the way Elijah prayed. He wants to help us to pray the way the apostles prayed. Because the place was shaken when they prayed. I'm telling you, folks, things happened when they did those kind of things. And that's what God wants to do, praise God. But if we don't have the attitude that this is important, if we're just going to go home tonight and say, well, somebody else will do it. I'll just keep coming to church and I'll, 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 you know, I'll just hug that back pew or whatever. No, we don't have any back pews here. But the bottom line is, you've got you to gotta be willing to move up. Come on, God wants to change your life in Jesus' name. And so that brings us to the last discipline. And of course, that's the discipline of fasting. And this one here, nobody likes. Not your flesh. Man, alive. Somebody asked me one time, do you ever get hungry while you fast, Brother Carnahan? <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. Every time. You know, it's just one of those deals. You know, and you learn that that's just kind of what goes with the program. And so fasting is one of those things that Jesus did. But the bottom line is, you know, he did not rebuke the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees for doing it. Because they were doing it. But they were showing themselves as they were doing it. And so Jesus, you know, the real issue here was actually, absolutely, was the motive. Why are you doing this? So that people know that you are? No, that's not how it works. In Jesus' name. Let me show you something here real quickly here. Look at Isaiah chapter 58. And many of you are familiar with this. But this is, again, a proper template as far as I'm concerned for fasting because it talks about this, you know. And you can read the entire chapter. It has a lot of good things in it. But let me, let me um, just quick or get to the quick. The scripture says here in verse number 4, 58 and 4 in Isaiah, it says, Behold, you fast for strife and for debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness and, and, shall, not, and, and shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Do you see what the motive is? I'm fasting so I can be heard. I'm fasting so I can get my way. And this is a lot of it. And we got to be careful with that. And then it says, is it such a fast that I have chosen, he says? A day for a man to afflict his soul. It is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Well, then he says, no, this is the fast. And that fast that he said he's chosen in verse 6, you know, it's got several ingredients here. About eight of them, I think there is. You know, talks about loosing the band of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Now, I won't go on because there's a whole list there. Read that, please. If you're having a hard time with the motive or the idea of why you should fast, please read this chapter. Please ask the Lord to show you the importance that we can get back to the place to where God can ask us to do these things and we won't, you know, we, we, we won't hesitate and we won't, you know, think that, oh, I'll do it next week or the week after or whatever the case is. One of the things in the kingdom of God that helps us is spontaneity is that when we'll just jump right on it when God asks us to do something. And so this is what God can help us to do. And so, you know, these disciplines of giving... <clears throat> 
and praying and fasting. I understand, praise God, they get old. I understand that your flesh never, ever does figure these things out. Ever. Your flesh will never, ever be comfortable with these things. That's why you must learn to get in the Spirit and to allow God to direct you in that realm in Jesus' name. Now, he says here, giving, praying, and fasting are only some of the spiritual disciplines, obviously. We can practice on a regular basis. You know, these are things that are designed to bring, bring us closer to God. That's what we're supposed to be doing, by the way. We don't want to get further away. We want to get closer to Him, okay? So disciplines are not easy. Can somebody besides me say amen? amen. They're not, you know? Oh, they're, they're not even instinctive sometimes. We got to make ourselves do it. You know, just as muscles do not grow with one trip to the gym, disciplines are, not in, are, perfect, are perfected in one day. And so what's required here is consistency. That's the thing that I hope that you're beginning to see in the apostolic lifestyle. That a lot of things are redundant. A lot of things we do do over and over and over and over again. And one of the biggest reasons we do that is not for the devil, but it's because of our flesh. We still have flesh that wants to resist this. And so you and I, until we are, until we are dead or we're raptured, you know, we're going to have to consider doing these things on a regular basis in Jesus' name. And so we understand that God honors these things. Now again, don't forget the, the overall subject here. You know, what's the life that God blesses? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a, a life of godly blessings that will come into our lives when we adhere to what he wants us to do in Jesus' name. And so, you know, just like the pastor in the story, and this is absolutely a true story, by the way, you know, and I think all of us can, can, can see ourselves in that place, you know. We're all going to struggle with things, but sometimes it isn't, you know, uh, we got to get the cart, you know, we can't get the cart before the horse. And so what God wants to do is change us. And so with that in mind tonight, let's stand tonight. We're going to give God again. We, you, guys, you folks have been great. You have responded. I have felt very little resistance in here. And, you know, not a whole lot of, uh, of other things. But I'm telling you, God isn't through here tonight. He wants to put a lid on this. He wants to put some frosting on your cake. He wants to do something here for you in the name of Jesus. And even if you want to come down to this altar, you can do that. But I believe it's a time for making commitments to the Lord here. Come on, let's, let's get real with him. Let's realize what we heard tonight is absolutely the truth. This is the truth. Whether we liked it or not, this is the truth. We want to become useful in the kingdom of God, and I believe that God wants to do that with us and for us in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands in confidence right now. Come on. He's hearing your prayers. He